And hello out there, all you Stay Tuners. Welcome back to another episode of Stay Tuned Sports, episode number 30. It's the episode after Christmas, but right be- before New Year's Day, New Year's Eve. How was everybody's holiday? Well, it wasn't too bad. Um, had some family time, family dinner, saw Santa Claus with the, with the, the kids and the family. Got a couple gifts from the fiancé. Got my uh, Rick and Morty uh, Pickle Rick. I was kind of excited about that. I don't know if you guys watched the show Rick and Morty's. Very hilarious show. Definitely not for kids, though. Uh, I also got... uh, I I love Funko Pop Dolls. And my fiancé knows you can't go wrong with me getting those. So she also got me um, the Funko Pop Doll 11 eating waffles. uh, 11 being the character from Stranger Things. On Netflix, another great show. But we're not here to talk about movies. We're not here to talk about what I got for Christmas. We're here to talk about sports. We're going to talk a little bit about the UFC fiasco that actually happened, um, I think, the day before Christmas Eve came out. And I'll get into that. I I have a lot of uh, feelings about that. Also... The college playoff games start this uh, this Saturday. You got Notre Dame against Clemson. You got Alabama against Oklahoma. Very eventful Saturday I have planned. Not sure about you guys. But before we get into all that, you can go over on Twitter and follow me at JimboSTSports. You can also follow the show at STSportsPodcast. And... You can go over and follow our good buddy King at King of Skunk Duck. He has a couple new uh, shirts out there. He even, um, I'm not sure if he put on uh, Twitter or Facebook, but he designed a couple uh, logos for the college uh, football playoffs. Uh, Notre Dame, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Bama that you could uh, copy and paste and share onto your computer or whatever you would like. But, uh... Getting into before we get into the college football, because there's a lot going on with the the two of the four teams, I should say, and I think one of them could uh, change the outcome of the game. But before we get into that, I want to touch a little bit about this uh, whole UFC um, situation that's going on. So Christmas Eve. Uh, UFC came out and and said John Jones tested positive again for a sliver amount of performance enhancing drug and UFC 232 was originally scheduled to be at T-Mobile Arena in I believe Nevada so probably Vegas so Nevada said they will not license him until they could sit down, talk with Jones, find out what happened, this and that and the other thing. And there just wasn't enough time for them to do that because UFC 232 is this Saturday. 
and John Jones is fighting Alexander Gustafsson for the UFC light heavyweight title, which Daniel Cromier had a forfeit uh, because he's the heavyweight champion. Which even that I don't understand. Conor McGregor had both belts, so why can't Cromier have both belts? But anyways, uh, so then it came out that the California State um, Commission said they would give John Jones a license um, as long as he flew out that day to take a test, and all of a sudden he doesn't test positive. I got a problem with that. So Dana White comes out and says the whole fight card is moving from Vegas, Nevada, to California. All the fighters, trainers, uh, probably refs, you know, announcers, everybody has got to reschedule their plans to be ready to fight and go in California. Now, the one comment they... Uh, that I think both Nevada um, and California came out and said was the drug that he that John Jones tested positive for is the same drug he tested positive for in 2017 and was suspended over and they're saying it's a little bit in his system is still left over from that time that is 18 months since he tested positive for it. You're trying to tell me that a drug, any type of drug, stayed in his system for 18 months and never cycled out? And he hasn't taken any? That's my first issue. My second issue is California, when they tested him, when they came out and said, we'll give you a, a fighting license, as long as you come out and take it, take our test, came out and said he tested clean. So, what happened between the I believe it was December seventh um, test that John Jones took? What happened between then and twenty fourth, twenty fifth, whatever day it was that John Jones took the test and now tests is clean? This guy, I, I gotta feel like Daniel Cromier here for a second. This guy consistently, consistently F's everything up. He was supposed to fight, uh, I think it was UFC 200. I think that situation was when he, I think that's one of his first uh, testing positives. That fight had to be canceled. That was a Cromier fight. Then he had the the coke uh, pop you know that he got tested for he's been tested and, and, and tested positive on multiple occasions why does UFC still give this guy chances and not only chances but he's in the main event still every time and Dana White said last time he will never main event again here we are main, main eventing Watching Twitter over this whole fiasco that the fans, I feel, I've, they're the ones I feel the worst for because I, I've been seeing like a lot of people 
that were planning to fly from Florida out to Nevada, they're out like thousands and thousands of dollars. One guy basically said he's taking a free trip out to, to Vegas with no money because he was planning only to go to that fight. And he can't cancel, well, he, he could cancel his flights and all that, but he's out that money. What's UFC doing to help those those fans out, how, how to reimburse them? Oh, you get a full refund on your ticket. Oh, thanks. How about the other $2,000 in flight expenses and, and hotels and rent, you know, renting cars and stuff like that? UFC, since the Freda brothers sold the, the company, has been spiraling out of control. You had the Conor McGregor bus uh, incident. You have this John Jones incident. You have weight uh, cutting incidences where fighters aren't fighting because they just can't cut all the weight. I see within the next two, three years, two things happening. Before I get to that, the other thing that really pissed me off and got me going was the way these fighters found out, minus the Alexander Gustafsson, because he was on a, a helicopter tour of the Grand Canyon, and UFC couldn't get in contact with them, which, okay, that I could understand. But all the other fighters found out through Twitter. Dana White or UFC never called them to let them know. You are a multi-million dollar company. And you can't even call your own fighters to say, hey, here's the situation. We got to move it. That's a lack of respect to your fighters. I mean, these guys are coming out making you guys millions of money. And, and, and you can't even just shoot them a text or give a phone call and say what's going on. Come on. And that's why I think in the next two to three years, you're going to see one of two things happen. You're going to see either A, a lot of these fighters jump and ship because they see how this organization is being ran and going to Bellator or one championship just like Eddie Alvarez went and uh, Demetrius Johnson. Or you're going to finally see a fighters union. I know there's been a lot of talk past couple years about Fighters Union and I forget the girl's name but she's been pushing it a lot and now she's kind of blackballed from UFC you're going to see a Fighters Union now how that would work I don't know but the more UFC keeps going on like this the more ground Bellator and, and all those other smaller promotions are going to gain more fans pay-per-view buys are going to start going down tickets are going to start going down you're going to just start basically getting the I just want to see people stand and, and punch people instead of people that actually enjoy watching the, the chess matches of, of the sport but this really was my tipping point with UFC and if you follow me on Twitter you know, um, UFC and Dana White trying to advertise for this Saturday. Um, you know, live on pay-per-view, John Jones, Gustafsson at wherever they're fighting now. Uh, I just keep retweeting the comments. Yeah, come, come Friday. Maybe at Philly. Might be at New York. Maybe at Jersey. Find out 24 hours before the show. And I would not be surprised if that happens. But that's enough of USC because I'm getting worked up. I'm trying to 
trying to stay excited because we got some college playoff coming up. And I know they played some uh, bowl games uh, during this week. I saw I saw a lot of posts about the Cheez-It Bowl, which uh, I think it was like two, three weeks ago when me and King went through the, the bowl names. That was one of uh, King's big uh, favorite ones. I wish I would have watched that one because I guess it was pretty much a um, just a disgusting performance by both teams. Just before I came on to record about the show, I was just read an article about it. Uh, between the, the nine interceptions between both teams, uh, the TCU coach changing out his kickers multiple times, and this is TCU who, who's a, a top, you know, 10, 15 ranked team every year. Who's a good, you know, good teams, not no, you know, Citadel or uh, Stephen F. Austin colleges, and they they put that type of performance out, man. But uh, and then you had the the Boise State, uh, I think Boston College game, being canceled due to lightning, uh, which I don't understand that because I think Boise State was up seven nothing, but they declared a no contest. Well. I mean, I could see if it was no contest and it was 0-0. But if they were up 7 nothing, I mean, obviously both teams had to have at least one possession to to score. And, you know, Boise State obviously did score. So I really think they should have got the one, uh, the win. But moving on to the, the two big games, the, the two games that really matter the most in college football right now, Alabama versus Oklahoma. And Nordane versus Clemson. So I think it came out on the same day about three Clemson players were being suspended for testing positive for performance enhancing drugs, as well as uh, Nick Saban suspending some of his players as well. Uh, first, I'm going to talk about the Alabama players. So this this came out uh, this past week. Uh, so the, I got an article up here from ESPN. It says Alabama coach Nick Saban says three players suspended this week will not play the rest of the season, and their status beyond is uncertain. Starting left guard Deontay Brown, tight end Kedrick James, and offensive lineman Elliot Baker did not make the trip to Miami for Saturday's game against Oklahoma. Saban said the players committed NCAA violations by making poor decisions, but he didn't say exactly uh, what they did. They probably, you know, took some gifts or money or something like that from boosters. But out of those three players, the one that's going to hurt Bama the most is starting left guard. Uh, Brown is a sophomore. He started five games, five of the past six games, including the championship game uh, two weeks ago. Now, let's face it, it's Alabama. It's probably going to hurt a little bit, but it's Alabama. You know, they're going to they're gonna put up points. that got Tua back there, I believe. Uh, might hurt my chances of getting my bottle of Jameson from King with our little side bet there that I think Bama's going to blow out Oklahoma. But I still think Bama's going to beat them. Um, it might not be 
by 15, but uh, I, I still think they are. Uh, as far as James and Baker, James has appeared in five games but had no receptions, and Baker has not appeared in a game this season at all. Um, so it's not like those two guys are going to be a, uh, affect the team as a loss or anything, but you know, it's curious to see. You know, left guard is mostly your, you know, your running plays up the gut. You want your, your power guys up there. So curious to see how the, the backup left guard will do. Uh, I'm still going to, like I said, I'm still going to go with Bama. You know, they're kind of like the Patriots. You got to keep picking them until they start really, you know, falling off. Kind of like this year. Patriots are starting to fall off a little bit, but not enough that you want to pick against them yet. So, with the other team, um, Clemson had three players as well. Uh, as of right now, being suspended because every player, every fighter, uh, organization or, or sport, whenever they, they test for, you know, steroids or, or whatnot, they always take two samples. They got a sample A and a sample B. And with this Cle uh, Clemson situation, uh, as far as they go, their, their big player is uh, Lawrence, their defensive tackle that has been, as of right now, ruled ineligible to not play in the Saturday's game, as well as backup offensive lineman Zach Giela and freshman tight end Brandon Galloway. They're still waiting on sample B to come back, which 99% of the time comes back whatever sample A says. Now, I think if, if this stands true, because I'm recording right now Thursday afternoon, they said it could come, uh, the sample B result could come out later Thursday night. If it comes back that it's still positive. This, I think, is a bigger blow for Clemson than Alabama's left guard being a blow. Reasoning being, first off, this kid is a massive kid. Uh, I read somewhere... He's like 350 pounds. So, I mean, he's basically a run stopper. And Notre Dame's thing is, if they could get their running game going, it opens up a lot for the passing offense. You know, with uh, Tony Jones Jr., um, our other two running backs, if, if we could start running up the middle and keep Clemson Clemson's offense off the field, you know, that's another... Um, good thing with Notre Dame's rushing attack, you know, chew up some of that clock, wear that defense down for later in the game, it's going to help Notre Dame. And this, you know, so again, I got another article from ESPN just to show you how uh, valuable this, this kid is for Clemson. Actually, I have two of them up. Um... Lawrence, so this is, like I said, it's from ESPN. Lawrence is a 340-pound mainstay in the middle of Clemson's defensive line, 
widely considered to be one of the nation's most talented groups. He was first team all ACC and is the number 23 prospect on Mel Kuyper's big board. Now I know Mel Kuyper's not the greatest one out there to pick players when it comes to draft day, but if you're ranked 23rd best prospect in college football, that's including all positions. If you lose someone like that in a big game like this, that is a big, big loss. And, you know, like I said, if Notre Dame, because Notre Dame's thing is, if they could keep it close, they could pull this out. Even, I, I, I thought even before this story broke, I thought Notre Dame could pull this out. If it, if the Clemson Tigers get, you know, out to a big lead early, I think, you know, Notre Dame just doesn't have the, the, the power or tools to come back and, and make a comeback. But if they keep it close going to halftime, I think it would be our game. Now, to make it even better for Notre Dame, if we blow them out in the first half, you know, especially running the ball, wearing that defense down, we come out in the second half, just keep the same game plan, eventually they're just going to be tired and not going to be able to stop us, and then we could go point for point. And then have a rematch of 2012, Alabama versus Notre Dame. Hopefully not the same outcome. The other um, interesting story that came out this past week with uh, Notre Dame too was uh, there's a report that Wimbush is looking to uh, transfer after this year. Now, I believe Ian Book is done after this year. I think he's a senior. He's going to graduate. Whether he goes to the NFL or not, I don't think he will. Um, I don't think he's an NFL quarterback. He, he, strikes, he, you know, he strikes me as like a Tommy Reese. Tommy Reese was a Notre Dame quarterback. Never made it to the NFL. Now he's Notre Dame's quarterback's coach. And look what he's doing with both of them. Um, if Wimbush were to come back, we would have Wimbush and our freshman from this year probably competing for a starting job. If I was Wimbush and you, you had NFL aspirations, which I don't think he would make it anyways, I probably would transfer, get a new, new setting, start over, because if you come back and you falter a little bit, you're going you're gonna to face that possible consequence of being replaced with Ben, sophomore. Uh, but you know it's, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a good good weekend I believe. I'm supposed to go over to my buddy's house to to watch the game. Who's a Notre Dame fan? Not it's not King. Uh, King lives in Jersey right now. Uh, my boys will probably be watching the game for a little bit before they go see the Harlem Globetrotters. They're they're as nuts as I am. I just I I just hope that we pulled out. I'm going into the game with the expectations of, listen, this was a great season. Everything that comes from here on out is just icing on the cake. If we go and win the championship, I won't lie, I'll probably cry like I did with the Eagles winning the championship, but because I have yet to see Notre Dame win a championship. Um, they won you know, before I was born, and probably when I was even too little to 
know what football was. Other than that, a little NFL talk. Uh, this past week, you had my Philadelphia Eagles pull out the win against the Houston Texans, which good old St. Nick Foles does it again. And, you know, what, what a, not to sound like a Chris Collinsworth, but talk about, like, a good story. You know, was going to retire four or five years ago because he's depressed, wasn't feeling the football aspect of it anymore. Andy Reid calls him up and says, hey, come on, just give me one more year, just be a backup. He was a backup to Alex Smith. I think he got in for a game or two. Doug Peterson gets hired as the Eagles coach. The same year Nick Foles is a free agent. Brings Nick Foles in to back up Carson Wentz. Obviously, Carson Wentz gets hurt last year with the ACL tear and goes on to, uh, to win the Super Bowl and, and uh, the Super Bowl MVP. Now, Philly needs help to get into the playoffs. Obviously, I'm going to be a Bears fan this weekend. You got and in all the games, the main games got um, flexed to 430. You got the Eagles against the Redskins, which... Jesus Christ! Talk talk about dumpster fire. They'll keep Ruben Foster and the other the other guy who w was in an assault uh, incident on the team. But God forbid you, you you come out and speak the truth about your your defense uh, coordinator, and you get fired. You get released. And there's more firings coming on uh, on the business side, but not the football side. So I, I don't understand. Uh. You got the Bears against Minnesota, which as of right now, the Bears are going to be playing all their starters. If the Bears win and we and uh, the Eagles win, Eagles are in, Minnesota's out. You also have Seattle playing, which I forget that scenario, but somehow if Seattle loses and we win, we were in there somehow. I forget, but... The easiest uh, playoff scenario I can just keep looking at is the whole Minnesota loss, Philly win, we're in. And, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully it plays out. We get to see if this Nick Foles luck keeps going. I mean, he's just, he's just balling. Congratulations to Zach Ertz for breaking the single season uh, reception record for a tight end. He, he's just, he's going to destroy that record. I mean, he, he beat it. Uh, this past week, I think he has 111 or 112 on the season now. Jason Witten's old record was 110. Um, Nick Foles had a career game. He also, and this was an interesting uh, stat he broke too. He had 400 plus yards, which was his fourth 400 plus yard game with the Eagles. And he beat Sonny Jurgensen, who played back in the 1950s, late 50s, early 60s. I mean, to beat a 60-year-old record, that's pretty impressive. So let's hope that, uh, for my sake, the Eagles win, the Notre Dame wins. We've got the Flyers playing tonight. Carter Hart's not starting. Watch I'm a little 
disappointed. I was hoping he'd start against Tampa Bay, see what he could do against a good team, but I kind of understand why you might want to ease him into these type of teams. Uh, so I got that tonight. And then we got New Year's on Tuesday. So I think that's going to be it for me uh, this week. You can head over to Twitter to follow us on the sh- at the show and follow me. Follow me at Jimbo ST Sports. You can follow the show at ST Sports Podcast. And like I said, you can head over to King's uh, Twitter and follow him at King of Skunk Duck. He's got some shirts up there on uh, Teespring and stuff like that. But uh, that's going to be it for this week. From my family to yours, have a nice New Year's. Please be safe. If you drink, don't drive. Uber it. Stay at a friend's house. Be smart. This is your good friend Jibbo, signing out.